0: In this edition of Cougar Insider Podcast, we'll be talking recruiting. We're going to be talking a lot of recruiting. We're going to mention names. We're going to talk about what these rankings actually mean or do not mean. We'll also give you an insight to this crucial week of BYU basketball. That and much more in this edition of the Cougar Insiders Podcast. Welcome to the Cougar Insider Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, columnist for the Deseret News, along with beat writers Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. We're coming to you from Thanksgiving Point, and we're talking BYU sports. And before we get started here, we want to have a moment of silence, maybe two moments of silence, for uh, Brandon Gurney's beard, which is dead. It's gone. It's been scraped off. Ready? Let's give him a moment of silence.
1: What happened, Brandon? They note the to self, never shave your beard <laughs> off during winter. <laughs> I, I I had no idea how how warm that keeps your face, but like most m- things in my life, it wasn't planned and it was completely by accident. But yeah, I'm beardless.
0: I just complimented you last week. I mm-hmm. thought it was a fantastic Moses-like. Uh, prob- maybe you know, a little bit. Uh, I'm Middle lazy Eastern, enough that I'll grow it back. You know. Middle Eastern prophet. That's yeah, great. That beard.
2: I, I can't even grow a beard, so I'm, I'll
1: forget to shave for awe. like four days. I'm like, yeah, I'll grow another one.
0: Well, let's talk recruiting a little bit. It's uh, it's that time of the year. BYU just finished signing four people, added to a December class of 14. Um, Jeff Call ranked uh, some of the ranking services, say, they're ranked 70-something, 75th or whatever. But I, I would maintain, and it's not making any kind of excuse, I don't think, but you can't apply a formula of star ranking and points and rankings to what BYU comes out with every year. It's just, To me, it doesn't apply.
2: I agree, yeah, because – is in that unique situation where they have so many guys come back from missions that aren't accounted for, and on the other hand, they've got guys that are accounted for that aren't going to be in the program for a couple of years because they're going on missions. So I've never really put a lot of stock in the rankings as pertaining to BYU, and maybe even in general, because no one ever really knows, and it's you got to look at it three, four, five years. BYU's case, sometimes six years, seven years down the road. So you know, it's interesting. It makes for interesting fodder to talk about, but yeah, I don't think it applies to BYU.
0: Jeff or uh, Brandon, is this uh, is this class rankable? I mean, is it legitimately seventy-five plus eightieth in the country, or could it be somewhere between thirty-five and fiftieth? How do we know?
1: It's it's kind of a pointless conversation, as Jeff brought up. Having worked for Scout.com for a number of years, I, I kind of have an inside knowledge about how these star rankings are allocated and whatnot. And although it's a lot better and it is the best tool of evaluation there is out there, it's still not very good. There's a lot of flaws in it. There's a lot. And and you just don't want to. Just, just, I, I mean, fans love it because fans love the fantasy. They, they they love the rankings and all that, and pinpointing these guys and thinking about what they're going to be in. What and I totally get that. It, it's fun stuff. It's fun. It's fun to see ranking and kind of in the off season and all that. But I, I mean, time has borne out. It's not very applicable to, to what generally pans out at BYU. I mean, how many four and five star prospects have we seen that just don't do anything? I mean, you have your Jason Muns, your Ross Apple. I, I I mean the post boyfriend is jake heaps um so so i think fans are kind of jaded uh, the people with the rankings and they probably should be because it's it's telling to some degree but but there's so much to play out it's just you don't want to hang your hat on on, on a recruiting ranking
0: in addition to the December uh, signees, which included uh, a four-star quarterback, if we're going to use star ratings, and uh, Conover, mm-hmm. um, probably the the most successful high school quarterback in the history of Arizona football, and there's been some very good ones. Of course, he's going on a mission, he won't be back, but that, that, that's the 14 you know, people signed then. But Jeff Call, in this February class, just signed uh, Dimitri Gallo, a defensive back from Moreno Valley, California. We heard Jeff Lamb, or excuse me, Ed Lamb, say something to effect that he's maybe one of the best uh, bump and run cover corners that he's seen. And then this uh, Luke Andrade, a legitimate 10-6 sprinter from Colorado who has run 10-6 at least seven times. Now, a lot of sprinters will run 11 flat or a 10-8 or 11-2, and, and then they average and it ends up being 10-7 or, or whatever, but he's run it seven times in the state of Colorado as a junior. And they believe that he can run even better now as a senior. And then you have this Javel Brown, kind of a surprise athlete from San Diego. He can play running back, receiver, and then Cade Albright, who probably is probably uh, the best player in this class because he was very close to taking a trip to Utah, recruited hard by him and other schools. But Jeff, let's get your comment on those four and then and then you, Brandon.
2: Well yeah, I think the guy that stands out, like you said, is Cade Albright. I think he's uh kind of fits into what Klein Sataki and Eliza Tuyaki want to do on that D line get a guy that's physical and athletic, get pressure on the quarterback. These other three guys, I mean, you got to look at them and say, maybe these are diamonds in the rough, guys that, you know, they scoured. Uh, we, we've talked about before about how many running backs BYU's offered um, during this recruiting cycle and without much success at all. And these guys are athletes. Uh, like you said, they're speedy. Uh, we'll see if they pan out, see if they can be contributors down the road. What do you think,
1: Brandon? I'll tell you, Javel Brown has a real opportunity to play running back. I, I, I mean, they say he's an athlete and all that. I, I'm not buying that for a second. I think he's playing running back for sure. And, and, and if I'm him, that's why I'm coming to BYU, because there's a real opening there for immediate playing time. And and I think it's really interesting that there's continuing to, to recruit defensive backs. I, I've covered this program for a long time, not, as, not nearly as long as you, Dick, but um, I've never seen the depth as good as it is right now. Two or three deep legitimately, yeah that yeah. can come in and make a difference and they're still bringing in guys Dimitri Gallo uh, uh, Eric Ellison um Junior College guys that you, you bring in to contribute immediately. I, I like that. They're not resting on their laurels and they're still trying to upgrade that position.
0: Another thing uh, we, we need to talk about is uh, this preferred walk-on program. They're bringing in in greater numbers than I can remember for a long, long time. It's part of a strategy. Uh, they, they 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 feel like they can bring these guys in, they can challenge for positions uh, and then they can recruit out of that pool and give scholarships to those guys if they earn it. A prime example is uh, Dax Mill last year receiver from uh, Bingham, Bingham High School, came in and contributed but he was not on scholarship. And then uh, El Bakri on the defensive line, he ended up being a starter right off the bat and had a pretty decent year. Have you seen this as a difference in the shift and what the philosophy is, Jeff? Yeah, I I
2: have. But I also think, you know, BYU's established a reputation. I mean, going back to even like the Bronco years, you see walk-ons kind of, uh, no one's heard of them and they kind of get their chance and they pay their dues and over time they get an opportunity and then they become starters. You know, I think BYU kind of lends itself to opportunities like that quite naturally and this year you know, some of the guys that uh, I'm looking forward to one is uh, Cade Hoke who you know the son of Chris, Chris Hoke. Hoke and you know he's a kid from Pennsylvania maybe flew under the radar on an injury issue as he came to BYU Nathan Upham I mean there's there's a lot of guys Fisher Jackson there's all these guys that you know obviously didn't get the, the scholarship offer but that doesn't mean to say they can't be very successful. The guy that I always keep thinking about was Dennis Pitta. I remember talking to Dennis when he was a walk-on freshman, and I literally I had never heard of him. I mean, I'd seen his name on the roster. I couldn't tell you one thing about him. And uh, I think in that two thousand four season, Gary Croton threw him in there. Uh, I think he blocked a punt, caught a touchdown pass at the end of the game against Air Force. It's like, wow, who is this guy? And he was skinny, you know. And I talked to him, and he's kind of told me a story and how he's a he was a very Good wide receiver in Southern California, but didn't get a lot of attention. Well, he goes on a mission, comes back. All of a sudden, he looks like a tight end. He's filled out, and then we all know what happened with Dennis Pitta from there. So that's an example of what can happen with guys like that that uh, maybe get that opportunity as a walk on, and they have that fire and that drive. I mean, right now, Backer is one of those guys I talked to numerous times the last couple of years, and, and he was a guy that was just hungry, fired up every day because he wasn't on scholarship. It, it motivated him, and he worked hard. And then he ended up in, earning a scholarship and did a lot of great things. So BYU, in this new paradigm, I guess, of where they are right now, they need to find guys like that and hope that they can develop and, and pan out.
0: I, I remember a player named Chad Lewis. I, yeah. I handed out Another a helmet example. to him for the Orem JC's when he was, a, I think, a 7th or 8th grader. I was handing out equipment to him and his brother. And there's Chad, this kind of a red-headed kid with glasses that came and got his stuff. He must have been 14 or 15, but the kid played at Orham High School. Went to, on a mission to China. Came back, and I remember the year uh, that he came back, and I'm uh, talking to Norm Chow, and he said, uh, "You know, watch, watch this Chad Lewis kid." And I, I said, uh, "Yeah, I remember him." He says, "Well, now he's six foot six, and he can really jump, and he's going to walk on here as a tight end." He ends up being an All-Pro in the NFL. So I think that's kind of what they're counting on. But Brandon Gurney, these guys that are preferred walk-ons do not show up on any list that we have for a recruiting signing day. They're not there. They can't talk about them. People have tried to have them you know talk on the record about it and the coaches won't talk about them but we will get a chance to see some of these guys coming off their missions now and some that are here and have signed with them and you gotta, you gotta credit them. Some of these guys are pretty good. Yeah.
1: Um, a, a lot of the guys, Chaz, I use the one that jumps out at you just because he was able to contribute. And I believe he's a mid year enrollee. That, that, that'd be one of the guys, uh, guy I really like is Tyler Batty from Payson, Utah. But, but when you talk about the walk ons, I really like Nathan Upham, who you mentioned from Sky Ridge. And Mason Wake from Lone Peak, I think could be another potential, uh, really good get. I, I think it's extraordinary how much we're talking about preferred walk ons. I can never remember a year. Where, where it was even a thought uh, about a preferred walk-on. I mean, you have Brayden Whistler going on a on a TV station making his announcement <laughs> as a preferred walk-on. It's crazy. It, it's extraordinary, and uh, and I think a lot of that is due to the two signing periods where most of the guys are were finding signing in December. So what what do you cover? I uh, preferred walk-ons. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you celebrate it and all that, and and good for these kids. I mean, they get a little notoriety. I I do think that the recruiting attention has become obnoxious with the Twitter and all that. I mean, Twitter's ruined. A lot of things in our society, and I tend to think <laughs> it's kind of ruined
0: recruiting. Right, um, they've kind of taken control of it. The athletes themselves have taken control yeah, yeah, they're control not
1: going to wait for some goonie reporter to break their right. news. They're going to do it themselves. It I, themselves. I, that kind of slapped me in the face about five years ago. It, it's completely changed, but it is what it is.
0: I am blessed to announce that I am going to sign with Pick, yeah. your, pick your College. Yeah,
1: hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: let's shift gears a little bit and talk about basketball. This is a crucial week. In the West Coast Conference because BYU's women, men and women's basketball teams are both in second place. Second place is a big deal in this league because if you can re- maintain a first or second place position, you will get a bye all the way to the semifinals in Las Vegas. And BOE right now has what a game, game and a half lead on the other contender St. Mary's and uh, San Francisco. They're going to to play San Diego, Jeff Call. You'll be down there, but this is a team in San Diego that they're three and four against down there and I don't know if I'd pick them to go down there and win this game.
2: You know, that's one of the places that BOE struggles uh, with in this time they've been at the West Coast Conference in San Diego, and a lot of it has to do with the style of play. I think San Diego is a team very similar to past teams. They've got four seniors at start. Um, they've had some injuries. Dave Rose yesterday said that they're at full strength, and so they're they're going to be waiting for BYU. They're coming off a very disappointing loss at Pepperdine last Saturday, kind of a heartbreaking loss. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very difficult. BYU is going to have to be able to play one of their best games of the year to pull off this, this win on, on Thursday.
0: One of the things uh, Brandon Gurney in the last seven games is it seems like BYU taken a step forward with their defense. They, they've they been able to have a lot of stops. That's kept them in games when their offense is not working particularly well. And then it seems like they've had a few people step up. T.J. Haas is finding a better role when the ball's in his hands. Yoli Charles, I, I, I still don't like it when he's out there shooting threes and he goes one for five when you want him to get down low. But when he does, he's extremely effective. And then uh, the Gavin Baxter's come on. Th- this seven games that they played and started to win has been pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of griping this season. Uh, a lot of people that think BYU's reached some new lows and, 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 and they're just not as good of a product. But look at where BYU's at right now. And what was the talk throughout this year? The West Coast Conference is better. Um, it's more competitive. Well, B- BYU's second place. Um, I think that's extraordinary. I, I I think that's a that's a really good mark. And and you're seeing the impact of Gavin Baxter. Nick Emery seems to be finding his his groove back a bit. And and you're and you're seeing some progression. I I mean, I was a little frustrated seeing them struggle like like they did against Pacific because I mean, you see what they did against St. Mary's. Yeah, you, you, you think that it's going to continue? And, and 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 there's some ups and but they still won that game by ten by ten points. So I I think it's it, it's a credit to Dave. Rose. And people are, I mean, people are going to complain for the rest of the year. Why didn't Gavin Baxter play earlier and all that? And Rose has given numerous explanations about that. Forget about it. Just take him for what he is right now and where the team is right now. Um, I i mean, could you expect BYU to be any better in any better position in the West Coast Conference than second place? No. I, and that's where they're at. And Gavin Baxter's playing, playing phenomenal. So it's a good product, and we'll see what this team can do. You
2: know, one, Go sorry, ahead, Dick, Jeff. I was going to say, one guy that I think everyone kind of overlooks who's been kind of a, Behind the scenes catalyst, or at least not a visible catalyst, really is uh, McKay Cannon. I oh mean, yeah. So he didn't start until conference play started, and he's not going to be extraordinarily flashy, you know. But you look at his numbers in conference play. I mean, his three point percentage, which is about forty eight percent, is just uh, field goal percentage is over fifty percent. Uh, Assisted turnover ratio is like twenty one to four or something. I mean, he's a guy that just quietly does those things on the offensive side, let alone on the defensive side, where he basically is assigned to guard the best guard on the other team. And there's a lot of good guards in the West Coast Conference. And he has done a very good job with that. Again, he doesn't get a lot of attention, um, but I think just quietly he just does his job. And, and aside from all that, what he does, I think his experience in, in senior leadership has really helped this team.
0: I, th- I think would it would be safe to say that seven wins in the last nine games has been based on the team that's come together with, using their experience in chemistry to play more like a team. In the early going back in January, they were hard to watch. I- I'd look at them and say, this is a hard team to watch. <laughs> it doesn't seem like their basketball IQ is very high. It doesn't Seem like the coaches can get them to do what they need to do. It doesn't seem like the coaches have an answer for what they need to do. And then all of a sudden, things start to come together better. And I think it started with defense. Yeah. Well, before we leave basketball, the women they they were standing along pretty high, and then they lose a couple of games, and now they're in the thick of it. Yeah, yeah,
1: three games in a row. <laughs> it was it was pretty brutal. But but I think I think they've largely rebounded it from it. I, I I tend to think Shaylee Gonzalez, who's been uh, just amazing as a freshman, I think she might have hit a wall. That it's that, pretty common for first year players. They, they they go around, and then you just hit hit some. She she really struggled uh, during the, that three-game losing streak, and I think that was a direct result. But but I think with Sarah Hampson coming on, regaining form, and Shaylee Gonzalez kind of getting over that, I I, I think they're going to be fine.
0: Let's shift uh, gears to the cyberspace. Let's talk about what's been going around on message boards and other things. Um, the realm where the sky is almost always falling. Brandon Gurney, what do you have? Um, a lot of the focus on the message board is just, and,
1: and kind of the talk, uh, on Twitter and all that is just how the state of Utah does not keep its top prospects. I, I you look at Puka Nakua, who, who, who waited late and, and went to Washington this is a pretty common thing. And, and, and it, it's affected BYU and also Utah. Utah's not able to get these guys. And there's been some lists about the top recruiting state they're not staying they're going to usc they're going to to washington and all that and and i think it's kind of a big surprise for utah uh whereas utah thought with the pac-12 affiliation they could keep a lot of these kids and we're just talking about the top kid but but i think what what i mean each kid's individual and all that but but i think just the the allure of just going somewhere else is a really big thing when the kid has an opportunity to go elsewhere and try something different i think that's really appealing and i think it makes a lot of sense not just for utah kids but 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 for kids anywhere Just, just the ability to, to do that. I, 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 I think that's kind of the general thing, and I don't think it, it should be a worry point at all.
0: I would agree, Jeff Call. I, I think back in the old days, you take a player like uh, Kalani Sataki, even even as late as, uh, as Sione Takitaki, he grew up in an environment where his parents wanted him to go to BYU. They insisted that he go to BYU. His mother demanded that he go to BYU. He was brought up a BYU fan, and a lot of those athletes... In that realm, ended up going to BYU, and now it seems like another generation is kind of caught away with the um, allure of a of a Washington and a, a Southern Cal, and a, uh, an Alabama, and they're saying, you know what? I uh, yeah, yeah, BYU, but I want to go to the big time. I want to go to a team that their coach is making 8 million and they've got a staff that's 35 people rather than the 12 or 13 that BYU the whole thing has changed to where those things matter a lot to these kids.
2: Yeah, and I think uh I mean the Nakua family I think was kind of that category at one time. I think they were a BYU family, right? Oh yeah. And with Kai. Big I mean, time. Absolutely. And then Big now time. we're seeing a shift and you know the other interesting thing that I never thought I would see is uh just some of these legacy kids, kids with names that are associated with one school, and then they kind of break ranks and go maybe to an opportunity that's better for them, or maybe there's opportunities there that they didn't have at BYU. And so, yeah, it's, it's things have changed so dramatically. And I think a lot of it coincides with, you know, this Independence era and, and Utah going to the Pac-12, and there's a lot of other factors too. But it's it's just it's just crazy to think how different it is. Guys that you thought were locked in to BYU because of their legacy, of the name, doesn't necessarily hold true that that's going to happen.
0: The rest of the story, I'm working on today, and it will be published, I think, later tonight. Um, Jeff Grimes is looking for a new offensive line coach, and I'll give you the update on that as he tries to select somebody to replace Ryan Pugh, and he's looking for somebody like Ryan Pugh. It must be noted also that... uh, uh, that Dallas Reynolds did not interview for this job. He gave up coaching. He decided that it's something that he wanted. He wanted something else for his family as far as his time and his effort and that. But he was a popular choice by a lot of people, uh, Dallas Reynolds. And so they they will be bringing in an outsider. I would think that he would be from a, G, a group of five or a power five um, a situation, and they're gonna they're gonna pay the guy some money to get him here. Uh, that that's my prediction, and uh, you can look for that in the column that I have written to be published in print on Thursday. But just the rest of the story for you, Jeff.
2: Well, this week uh, I think it was on Monday I was able to talk to uh, Jaron Hall, uh, BYU quarterback. Um, so I went to kind of the BYU baseball media day, and I wasn't expecting to talk to Jaron Hall, but he's made available, and. Uh, I think people are aware that uh, he's trying to be a dual sport dual sport athlete and play baseball. And baseball coach Mike Littlewood said uh, that when Jaron Hall showed up in January, he kind of thought, well, you know, he's going to realize pretty quick that he's not, you know, hasn't played baseball in three years. And it's going to take him some time. He's probably going to want to take some time off and focus on football. But to his surprise, Jaron Hall shows up and he's playing at a really high level. In fact. Uh, Michael Littlewood said to I me, mean, he's vying for a starting job. I mean, he's that good. And so Jaron uh, is going to be splitting his time between football and baseball. Obviously, football is the number one priority because he's on football scholarship. But he also loves baseball. And he's going to. I think we're going to see him quite a bit uh, on, the, on the diamond. And, and what's interesting, the other thing that's kind of the, I guess, the X factor in all this with Zach Wilson not uh, throwing in, in spring ball, there's an opportunity for these guys, the backup quarterbacks, to really take a step forward and get a lot of experience. And so you throw that in the mix as well. It's going to be really fascinating when we have, uh, you know, Jaron Hall, Joe Critchlow, and Baylor Romney taking the snaps. And then you see Jaron Hall kind of jumping over to baseball from time to time. And we may see a situation like Ryan Hancock back in the day where you may play baseball and then go play in the spring game on the same day. So. We'll see how that works out.
0: But be nice to watch. Have, be nice to have that kind of talent, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brandon Gurney, what kind of uh, rest
1: of the story do you have? Oh, well, I want to add to the Jaron Hall thing because I saw him play a lot in high school and I saw him play all three sports. He played basketball as well. I I always thought baseball was his best sport, and that and that's not to disparage his football skills at all. Because I thought I've always thought he's going to be a really good football player, but seeing him play baseball, he's just smooth out there. I I thought he was the best player in the state playing center field for 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 Maple Mountain and. and and i thought if this kid wants to go to the next level i think baseball's his best ticket i i and that's again that's not to disparage anything that he can do on the football field because i i think he's, he's he can be very good there but but if i'm him i think baseball's the, the, the i and, and fans are going to oh oh no, football <laughs> we don't care about baseball right but but for him i i've always thought that baseball would be his best course of action I'm, i mean that's my hot take on that having having seen him but but i think he's that good at baseball and i think what jeff just told us kind of kind of validates that.
0: A final word. I had an opportunity over the weekend to talk to Zach Jones. He's a high school uh, senior at uh, Lone Peak High School. He signed a letter of intent to play golf for BYU. He was the uh, state medalist on, a th- on, I think, about a 60-foot putt on the final hole uh, to win medalist honors. And he has gone down to St. George in the winter portion of the Utah Golf Association tournaments and player points, uh, performance points. And he's won two out of three tournaments and, pl- and finished second in another one. A guy to watch for. He's on an official visit this past week at BYU. Zach Jones. Uh, somebody to think about and to watch as a future guy. He's going to go on a mission first. I think he's going to leave in July, but he will be playing the state amateur come uh, come the middle of the summer. And it'll be interesting to see. Very talented kid. These kids are amazing. They only weigh about 150 pounds, and they can hit the ball 300 yards, and they, they're they amazing uh, to see these kids play. Jeff, your final word.
2: Well, again, heading down to the sunny climbs of uh, San Diego, Tomorrow, yeah, darn it, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, part of the rigors of my job, but uh, you know, again, going back to this game, it, this is a huge game for BYU. Again, going back to BYU's lack of success at San Diego, they really need this win if they want to lock up that second seed. And Dick, you mentioned it. Uh, if you get a, a second seed this this year in the tournament, you you get a buy all the way to the semis. Play don't play till Monday. I think that's a huge huge advantage. So, this is a big game. Uh, San Diego is 11 and 1 this season at home. So, keep that in mind. It's going to be really hard for BYU to win, but you know, if they put things together, they keep playing the kind of defense uh, they've been playing, they've got a shot.
0: Thanks, Jeff. Brandon, your final word. Yeah, I-
1: I'm really interested to see what the men's volleyball team does this weekend. They've had some shockingly they had a shocking road trip where they were just swept, and they they just uh, weren't really in matches at all. And it's a very young team, a very talented team. B-Way's always very talented, but I'm really interested to see how they rebound and if this team can actually do something this year.
0: Well, I'll wrap it up. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Cougar Insider Podcast. We'd love to hear from you through the email at cougarinsiders at com, And please subscribe or download our podcast wherever you find it. We're working to deliver you the most up-to-date information on BYU sports, and we love to have you join us.